Hello, heroes and heroines, sidekicks and supervillains. Welcome back to another episode of Panel Pictures. I'm your friendly neighborhood, Zach, and as always, I'm joined by your human incarnation of Larflees himself, Cody McKinney. Cody, how you doing this week, buddy? I'm a little worried about you. My mouth is mildly numb. I know. You just got back from the dentist, so... I did. This is going to be a fun <laughs> podcast I'm, recording experience. Other than the fact that I'm going to sound mildly... in impedimented impaired impaired yeah there we go i'll I'll be all right like i'm not in pain or anything i just good i got like the left side of my uh my tongue is kind of not in existence in my my nervous system oh my well um before we get started on our topic for this episode uh i just wanted to maybe you know kind of talk about other superhero stuff we've been getting into lately so for me that's been, you know, playing Spider-Man on PS4, which yeah. is a damn masterpiece. It's uh, it's a fantastic open world game. It reinvents open world, at least for me, because it makes it inviting and it makes it feel huge without being too unnecessarily huge, which I, I really enjoyed. Uh, Iron Fist Season 2, also been diving into that. Uh, not as much as I'd want to. I've, I've been only been able to watch like half an episode a night, so I'm only like at episode three and a half right now. Yeah. But it is so much better than season one already. It is like... <laughs> Night season, and day. Season one was so... It just felt confused. And we'll do an episode eventually on Iron Fist season one. But this has got cleaner fight choreography. Danny Rand as a character, he's he's more mellowed out, thank God. He's not just always intense, like, I'm the Iron Fist. I have responsibilities. <laughs> you know, like... It's 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 just a much better story overall. It makes good use of all the side characters. And you finally get to see Danny... It's not full costume, but you get to see him in a mask that is yellow and black <laughs> during one flashback scene. So I'll take it for now. I don't know how the rest of it plays out, so we'll see how that goes. And you know, we got Daredevil coming up in October 19th, Season yeah. 3. So that's going to be really exciting as well. Um, but Put everything you? else to shame. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but what about you, Cody? You been doing anything extracurricular, superhero wise? Um, I'm gonna buy Spider Man literally after this recording session. So, at a boy. I mean, I'll have more to report on that later. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we, I saw the Captain Marvel trailer, which. Oh, uh, yeah. So, what do you think about that? Uh, if, like, if I wasn't already in the bag for these films, this would be one of those where I'd be like, I'm not really that excited for this. And mostly because the trailer didn't tell me anything. I think I think that's the biggest thing, is that the trailer gave you just enough of, like, oh, here's, you know, Captain Marvel and young Nick Fury, right? Yeah. Oh, here's Captain Marvel and some scrolls. Um... But it didn't give you just enough to really be invested. Yeah, exactly. We, it, it, it piqued your curiosity. We saw the the green costume and the regular costume. Uh, we saw, like you said, some scrolls, which is neat because it's the first time we've seen them. Yeah, and like we we see her being like space female Superman kind of for yeah. like a minute. And there's that weird shot of her like hanging upside down with like the mind beam things yeah. going into her head, and I'm just like, it's, I don't know. It's, what it's we're interesting doing to here. say the least. I I'm still excited for it because let me let me just put it this way, I I'm not an ultra Marvel fanboy when it comes to the films because I'm I'm ready to like I'm ready to accept any flaws that they yeah. give me right, but 
when you look at the grand scheme of all these movies, they have yet to release just a terrible movie, like an unpalatable movie. You know, they have yet to release something that like is just panned across where it's like, oh, this is awful. Literally, the only thing I can think of that is absolutely awful is, is ironically, Iron Fist season one. That's yeah, like, I mean, that's that, about the only thing I can think of that is just like this is the worst, well, like, most uninteresting. I mean, modern Mar- what, what last uh, last episode? So yeah, so Hulk is boring. <laughs> Hulk, is, Hulk is boring, right? Yeah, but it's not not it's not uh, done Dis-interesting. poorly. Disinteresting. Well, it's not done poorly is what I'm trying to say, right? Like it's it's got a it's got a story. It's got Hulk moments in it, right? And so maybe for some fans, because I literally talked about this this past weekend with some of my kung fu friends. We we went to this huge seminar thing, and the, uh, one of my friends she said, "Oh, I just finally saw Infinity War," and she goes, "I'm going back through all the old movies." And I jokingly was like, "Don't watch Hulk; it's boring as shit," you know. And she goes, "I liked Hulk." Uh, yeah. So there's people out there apparently. Yeah. Okay. That liked tw- uh, 2008 Hulk, you know, but. When you look at that compared to, you know, Suicide Squad, Batman versus Superman. Oh yeah, it's way better um, than those. And then even older Marvel movies like Ghost Rider, uh, Daredevil, things like that, right? You know, I'd almost rather watch Daredevil. No, 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 <laughs> and, and I agree. I agree absolutely. But what I'm trying to get at is that the current like from Iron Man on Marvel Cinematic Universe has yet to give us a movie that is just like awful. Yeah. That like, is done poorly. There's not really been a movie where you're just watching it like, what are you guys doing? Now, see, they've done movies that are for different tastes. I've met people that don't like Guardians of the Galaxy, for example. Right, and you're sitting across from a person who does not like Iron Man 3 at all. Exactly. Um, or I've met people that don't like Ant-Man, and I love Ant-Man. Uh, I, th- I thought it was a really good way of utilizing an older character that no one cared about into a modern, fresh way. Yeah. You know, I still need to see Ant-Man versus the Wasp. I wasn't able to see it over the summer. But... I that's my thing. I have faith that Marvel will do a good job with Captain Marvel. Yeah. I have faith that this will be a good movie. I am sure that in the time that we live in right now, there's going to be a huge group of people that are going to be a very vocal minority. You know, they're going to find something to nitpick about it and get mad about, and that's all we're going to hear about. <laughs> that's not point. what the '90s were like. Something, right? Uh, the layout of that blockbuster that they land in is wrong. Exactly, exactly. So <laughs> I worked in a blockbuster for ten years, <laughs> and my blockbuster wasn't set up like that at all. Exactly. So that's uh, that's that's my deal. I feel like we'll eventually come to you know see a good Captain Marvel movie. There's probably going to be something that we can nitpick. But I doubt at the end of the day we're going to be able to say this is a terrible movie or this is not well done, you know. Yeah. And that's how Marvel's been, and that's you know, and that's fine. I think that's a that's a great way to be. You're gonna not every. I feel like if every movie was epic and amazing like Avengers was, like we would get tired of epic and amazing. And yeah. We have gotten tired of it, and that's why things like Guardians of the Galaxy and Ant Man are good refreshing breaks from these like world ending, universe bending. You know, stories. City in the sky. City in the thousand sky. Thousand metal dudes. Fucking Golden Gate Bridge destroyed for the twentieth time this year. You know, I never. They re, after, they rebuild that song bitch after fast. Living, after living so close to the Golden Gate Bridge for two years, like I literally, I'm like, yeah, I'm I'm down to see that being destroyed now. I'm I'm, I'm down. <laughs> All right, so Cody, we are here to talk about Iron Man two. The second Ooh. Iron Man film. 
in the uh, trilogy and the third Marvel Cinematic Universe film in the uh, what now eighteen film nineteen film? I think it's. I think they broke twenty, dude. Like, hold on. Are we at twenty now? Well, if we count, if if we're not counting unreleased, I think we're at eighteen. I believe. But anyway, Iron Man two. So, my memories with this are very fuzzy actually because i did see this in theaters i did enjoy it but i only saw it the one time and i never really saw it again except for snips and little pieces on television yeah captain marvel's 20 captain marvel's 20 uh, that's all i was like i'm pretty sure it's 20 okay okay so 20 20 marvel you know so this is the third one right we got some growing room to yeah do. we got some growing up to do anyway i do remember though with iron man 2 I remember initially a lot of people saying it was bad and it sucked. Um, I don't know if that's your experience, but I do remember like coming out of college or excuse me, excuse me, coming out of high school rather and listening to people going, oh, it's just so boring. Like, oh, it's so bad. I mean, I definitely have qualms with this movie and there are bits where I'm just like, why are we here? What What is happening? Right. How did we get from Iron Man to this? And, we, and, I, and we'll get there, and we will get there, because I also have some some pacing issues, uh, some some issues with how much we're spending developing characters and others, you know, not so much with, you know, superheroes where that we're not spending time developing those moments, but we'll get to that. So... Iron Man 2, starring Robert Downey Jr., of course, as Iron Man slash Tony Stark. We have Gwyneth Paltrow again reprising her role as Pepper Potts. We have Don Cheadle replacing uh, Terrence Howard as Rhodes slash War Machine. We have now Scarlett Johansson joining in as Natasha Romanoff, or um, is it Nathalie Rushman, I think is her other code name she goes by i I think it's i think it's nathalie or natalie rushman i don't know Um, that's how stark knows her for the majority of the movie uh we have sam rockwell as justin hammer and then mickey rourke as ivan vanko and whiplash yeah and we also also have uh um oh lord and i'm brain farting right now as i literally had it on the tip of my tongue happy hogan uh Thank you. Did, <laughs> did, did I do it to, to you, Favreau, too? John Favreau. John Favreau. I was like, he you. directed the movie. Thank you. Yeah, right. We have John Favreau returning to direct the movie and reprising his role as Happy Hogan. And apparently this one had a lot of interference from Marvel Studios uh, prior to filming. So John Favreau wanted to play down a lot of the S.H.I.E.L.D. subplots yeah. in this film. And Marvel Studios insisted that he had to have uh, a bigger, they had to have a bigger shield presence in this film. And that's why we have Scarlett Johansson in here. We well, have uh, Samuel L. Jackson returning as Nick Fury. And we also have, you know, uh, Agent Coulson returning as well. I think that makes a lot of sense, though. I mean, because if you were to cut all that stuff out of the movie, like, it doesn't set up for Avengers quite as well. Absolutely. And, like, I think that's kind of the point of it because, like, we haven't gotten to Captain America or Thor yet, but both of those do have a large, like, like shield-centricized situation going on. Less Captain America, but more Thor because, you know, like, yeah. you get Hawkeye and Thor and yeah. like, they literally had to break into a shield compound and, like... You know, you get, like, this idea of S.H.I.E.L.D. is, like, this big overarching, like, like deeper-than-the-deep-state type <laughs> organization. You do. you do, you do. I think I think S.H.I.E.L.D. is um, more, interesting, more interestingly portrayed uh, in the film than it ever was in the comics. Yeah. 
I think it makes people actually care about characters like Nick Fury, you know. Enough of them to make an entire television series based on Shield. And I have yet to still watch it. I've heard I've heard that it's got ups and downs. Yeah. So I'm probably gonna I'm I've got it I think I've got it on Hulu or Netflix, one of the two on my list there. So I might I might binge it at one point, you know. I do know that Robot Chicken apparently summarized uh, Agents of Shield pretty well. They had uh, they had Agent Coulson looking out the window with binoculars, and he's like, "Oh, look, an Iron Man saving the day." And then she's like, "Can I look?" And he's like, "Uh, no, you just got to trust me. He's there. He's yeah, there. You can't. We're in the Marvel universe. Yeah, we we're here. <laughs> yeah. Can't see it. Exactly. It's kind of how the Netflix series handles most of their involvement uh, with the rest of the Marvel universe. I mean, I, I I like the fact that the Defenders are kind of excluded out of. I like the the street crime level. Uh, stories, I, they don't feel as exhausting. Because I mean, if we did, if we did like universe-ending stories for thirteen episodes, yeah. for thirteen hours, I think we all would get a little exhausted. I definitely. About that. But anyway, so John Favreau apparently came back for this one, and he originally was going to be signed on for the whole trilogy. But because of this uh, friction between him and Marvel Studios, he didn't want to do the third one. He didn't want to do the third one, so he didn't come back for Iron Man three. But let's go ahead and get started with the plot here. So. We open to Moscow, Russia, and we are hearing the echoes of what happened at the very end of Iron Man. Yeah, uh, we, which was neat. It was a very, it was a very great way. But like, yeah, what's up? It's weird because like that seems like a kind of a happy moment in uh, yeah. at the end of Iron Man. But like they play it with like that real somber music, and it's just like things aren't as good as you thought they were going to be. Well, I think I think they used that as a tool to set the mood for Ivan and his father. Like because yeah, we were over here like in the in the U.S. celebrating the fact that oh we've got Iron Man now, yeah. right? But you go to somewhere like Moscow, and not to get too political, but where things are a little bit tighter. You know, politically yeah. speaking, economically speaking, that kind of thing. And you've got this guy on his deathbed in this like dingy little, you know, apartment, you know, or in a, in a probably in a, some kind of bad complex. And he's watching on the news this guy who supposedly is, you know, the the son of the man that stole his tech, yeah. you know, and stole and thus stole his success, right? Exactly. So I I believe that that somber mood, the echoing to the the speech at the end of the first Iron Man movie, I think it matches the tone for for the scene very well. Yeah, to, to, and to get you in that like, oh, things are things are dark here. Exactly. Mindset. But yeah, so we move on right along here. So we witness Ivan Vanko taking care of his little father, and we also witness the uh, the cockatoo in the background. And so what I thought was <laughs> oh, really this so, bird. Yeah. So here's the first little interesting bit of trivia right off the bat. Mickey Rourke actually gave like a lot of uh details that he wanted for his character in this film yeah and he paid out of pocket for the gold teeth lining and for the cockatoo <laughs> so he actually paid for those things to be added on out of his own pocket for that character just like i want to be needlessly eccentric this entire movie well i mean he the dude did a lot of research he actually went to a prison in moscow and met Russian prisoners who he said they were very polite to him to pick up on Russian culture and to pick up on Russian prison culture, apparently, to add to his character. Neat. So, I mean, the dude is really invested in this character of Whiplash, uh, which I think is really interesting because if you look at the original comic version of Whiplash, dude, dude's a punk. He's a bitch. Because so, all of Iron Man villains are lame. They're not all lame. They, 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 he has one villain that's not lame, and they ruined it, and nah. that's why I hate Iron Man 3. <laughs> but we'll get to that. It's okay. All right. Anyway, so uh, Ivan's father eventually dies right there, like within the first couple of minutes, right? 
and we witness the anger of Ivan, and he makes his tech based off. He starts making tech based off Stark blueprints. We see that he's got Stark blueprints yeah. in his apartment. Mickey Rourke said that this was also one of the hardest parts of his character to to seem like he knew what was going on with tech because apparently the actor himself is like not computer savvy <laughs> at all. He's just like I don't know what I'm doing, but exactly. I got a hammer and something hot. Exactly. So doing all the hammering, and then the later scenes where he's on the computer and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like he said that was really difficult because he's like I don't know what to do with the computer. So, I don't know how to type. <laughs> exactly. So he had to make it look like he knew what he was doing. So we witnessed the birth of yet another arc reactor, which yeah. I do feel like is a little bit played out here, maybe. But it, I do think on the other side of that coin, it does fit in nicely with the fact that Tony made this thing. And in the first movie, someone's like, I want that. Yeah. And, then, and then in the second movie, someone's like, I made that and I want it. You know, I want the recognition that comes with it. Exactly. So it is on one side, it is it is kind of redundant but on the other side it works right he he made this arc reactor in an apartment in (laughs) russia with a box of scraps (laughs) ivan made this arc reactor in In his apartment apartment with a box of scraps and a cockatoo (laughs) squawk squawk So we see another arc reactor born, and then we cut immediately to Iron Man in the back of a plane, jumps out of the back of a plane, ACDC's shoot to thrills plane. Yeah, he's just just like... overtly America. Yeah. Like, tones. He superhero lands on a stage with dancing girls behind him, the American flag waving, fireworks have been going off, people are cheering for Tony Stark. This is the most, like... This is more America than Captain America at this yeah, point. I mean, like this is this is modern America. Then a giant set of robot arms dismantles the suit exactly. in front of them. People and- are like losing their crap. They've got Iron Man cups and like you know posters and T-shirts and stuff. Like this this is a probably a more realistic view of what would happen if we did have an Iron yeah. Man. So th- whoever would be Iron Man, you know, would probably glorify the crap out of themselves and have giant like concert halls, you know, tech halls full of fans and fireworks and crap. So he comes down, uh, he lands, the suit comes off of Iron Man, and we see Tony Stark again. He, you know, of course... And like he Big is open arms, as arrogant audience. as you could possibly exactly. be. Exactly. And he's basically welcoming everyone to uh, Stark Expo. And he is kind of reinventing what his father did back in the, was it the, the 40s, the 50s? Uh, I think it's the 40s. Might be the sixties. Actually, no, 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 no. I think it's much later after that. Like the sixties or seventies. Probably the sixties actually, because it's supposed to be per, bleh, post World War Two. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So I'm thinking sixties or seventies. But anyway, his father did Stark Expo. He, he was they, like a tech Walt Disney. Exactly. Exactly. And that's what I was going to get at. This was like basically Epcot, yeah. where you were supposed to bring in all these scientists from around the world and show that like mankind could progress through technology and science and understanding. So he says, you know, here, you know, we're going to we're going to progress the future. It's going to be great. And he's like basically showing off that he's Iron Man again. So he plays a clip of his father introducing, you know, uh, Stark Expo. And we get to see, you know, Howard Stark for the first time. Or at least we get to see Howard Stark, you know, in movement. movement, We saw him in in news clips played by a different actor in the first movie. But we get to see Howard Stark in movement talking. And off to the side, Iron Man is putting his thumb on something, and it says blood toxic, to, excuse me, blood toxicity level, and then it's I think it's nineteen percent if I'm checking yeah. my notes here. Yeah, 
So it's at 19%. We see Tony start kind of worried, but then, you know, Tony do doing what Tony does kind of shrugs it off, right? So Tony leaves the expo after his big spiel, and we get this like mob scene of fans and ladies, people giving him numbers, and he's autographing pictures, and there's a little kid with an Iron Man mask on, yeah. you know, and he's like, what's going on, Junior? And then briefly, they're like, oh, here's Larry King. And he's like, hey, Larry. And then who else is it but Stan Lee? And Stan Lee looks so much like Larry he's, King. He's like, that it, like exactly like Larry King. And it's just the, this is, I think it, this is the briefest Stan Lee cameo. Because it's like four seconds I also long. like that in all of the Iron Man so far, Stan Lee has just been like another celebrity that's not himself. Because right. he was Hugh Hefner in the first one. Yeah. I don't remember what his one in Iron Man 3 was. Well, nah, I'll have I don't to rewatch it. But anyway, so Tony Tony leaves the expo and he is served a subpoena by a very attractive woman. You think he's like, oh, here goes Tony Stark again picking up another yeah. lady. And then he's like, what are you into? And she's like serving subpoenas. And he's like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> so him and Happy get in the car and they drive over to D.C., and it's here that we start seeing government intervention with Tony Stark. Because yeah. the first movie, they just, just let him go. Yeah, he just did what he wanted. They just let him go. And you know for a fact that would not fly in today's society. No. Like, the government would have, like, shot him down or something. So we see Tony being served at the subpoena uh, over in Washington, D.C. We see a Senator Stern trying to basically acquire the Iron Man suit. He's insisting it's a weapon and that they that Tony needs to hand it over to the U.S. government, that in five to ten years, people are going to be recreating this suit. And at this point, we also see Don Cheadle walk in as uh, Rhodes. <laughs> and and you know, they Tony, make the biggest jab they possibly could have. Oh, I know. And um, it's, it's really interesting at this point because we see... Tony Stark, he's like, he's like, oh, I didn't know you're gonna be here, and he's trying to do the friend thing. Yeah. And Rhodes is like, I'm here for business. Like exactly. he's like, he's like, not now, not now. And he just sits shutting down. him down. Yeah, shuts him, shuts him down. So he sits down, and Senator Stern asks him to paraphrase or basically like uh, cherry pick a paragraph out of uh, Rhodes's report on Iron Man. And of course, Rhodes openly is like, you realize me doing this, you know, is completely out of line and doesn't make for a good argument. And he's like, oh, I know, just do it. And so he does it, and he says how dangerous Iron Man could be in the wrong hands. And then they start trying to show some footage on all these screens around here. And then Tony, doing what Tony does best, hacks all of their screens, right? Yeah. And he shows them footage of North Korea and Russia trying to recreate the Iron Man. I love the North Korea to, footage. Uh, the, yeah, the North Korea. You see this, like, <laughs> wonky, wobbly. Way too big. It looks, it looks like a reject from Disney World, like, robot. Or, it, well, it, like... Or like a, a really poorly put together Metal Gear. Exactly, like <laughs> exactly. And so he ends, that ends up shooting the camera person in North Korea, and then the Russia one doesn't work out so well. And then we get to the really interesting part. We see uh, Justin Hammer. He had come in earlier in this scene as the weapons consultant for the U.S. government. Yeah. He had a contract with the U.S. government. And you know his, his role at this point was kind of non-consequential. It was like, okay, whatever, another character, right? But then we see him trying to recreate the Iron Man suit on a, I guess, an American, you know, soil. And he's like, okay, and then walk this way. And he goes, and then turn. And whoever's and in the Iron Man suit, the top torso does a 180 turn while the leg stays still. Snaps his spine. Snaps whoever's in there's spine in half. And you hear, ah! And then he goes, oh, shit, oh, shit. And they cut the footage. <laughs> and that's when Justin Hammer of Hammer Industries is like, Oh, uh, by the way, that pilot was okay, you know, or whatever. Yeah, right. So at that point, he loses his contract with the U.S. government. But Tony eventually goes, look, no one is going to be able to recreate this technology, at least for another five to ten years, and I'm going to be ahead of them by that point. Yeah. And he goes, and if we're looking at Hammer Industries, it's going to take them 20 years, you know. 
and he just takes more jabs at Hammer Industries, and it's it's, it's this nice you know play between the two because Tony doesn't respect Hammer Industries as a threat at all, and Hammer Industries Justin Hammer's con- constantly trying to like catch up to him, right? Yeah. So we see this play out. We see Tony Stark make a huge ass of himself you know at this uh big senate meeting and and senator stern of course is like f you f you you've been a real delight you know and he walks on out so we cut to uh whiplash seeing this scene on uh television and he's putting the finishing touches on his suit and he's and you see the arc reactor start going down the lines of his big whips yeah. and everything which like from an aesthetic standpoint and design standpoint it's neat but like from a practicality standpoint is just dumb <laughs> What what about like his suit? Like or well, his it's not a suit. It's more like an exoskeleton. But yeah. like like just the thought process of like, all right, I'm a supervillain and I got an arc reactor. I'm gonna make laser whips. That's gonna be my thing. I think it, I think it, I think the idea works really well. It's it's coiled whips of arc reactor energy, and that he can retract an extra, you know, and and send out. To, and I mean, you watch the scene later on the on the racetrack, you know, and he's yeah, I mean, the cars in half. I I don't know. I just like I'm thinking if I were a supervillain, okay, and you had an arc reactor, what would you do, Cody? I mean, if I was if, even if I thought the same way as Whiplash, I'd make a Doc Ock thing. Like I'd make you know that seems way more How practical. Would you walk though, because you're like Doc Ock legs would be melting through the floor from all that pure. Reactor energy. I mean, if he can contain the reactor energy in the whips, surely he can contain it in, like, something that's pract- more practical than whips. Uh, fair, fair. I'll give you that. <laughs> I mean, wh- again, Whiplash is not the strongest villain that the Marvel Universe has. So. Yeah. Moving right along. We cut back to Malibu. Tony is worried about his blood toxicity. It's at 53% now. Or no, sorry. It's at 24% now. Not quite yet that 53, but it's at 24%. It's getting worse. It's, he's getting worse. He's uh, realized that um, the palladium that he's using to power his arc reactor, which is obviously keeping the shrapnel out of his heart, um, the palladium is poisoning him from the inside out. And giving him a sweet chest tattoo. He's yeah, he's getting like this like cybernetic looking road rash looking, you know, <laughs> blood poisoning around his chest. So, you know, he's at this he's at this crossroads because obviously he can't stop using the arc reactor because the shrapnel will then kill him. Yeah. But if he continues doing the way he doing the things that he's doing, if he continues this path Palladium will kill the him. The palladium will poison him and he'll kill him. So Pepper Potts comes in wondering why he's making all these risky business decisions all of a sudden. You know, it's obvious because he's faced with his own mortality. He's doing things like giving away his private art collection to the Boy Scouts of America (laughs) and some other things. And she just keeps berating him with all this business stuff. And then it's at this point, Tony's like, you know what? Why don't you just be the CEO? And she's like, what are you talking about? He goes, why don't you lead the company? She goes, I'm trying to. And he goes, no, 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 no. He goes, I instate you as the CEO of Stark Industries. And Pepper Potts accepts. They share a glass of champagne in Tony Stark fashion. It's you can see like the relief on her face and the joy on her face, right? Because she gets to be the head of Stark Industries, yeah. and she can finally lead this company in a direction she feels. <laughs> she is she fit. can help Tony get his shit together. Exactly, exactly. And you you can see it kind of relieves Tony as well because Tony's no longer interested in being a man of business. He's yeah. more interested in being Iron Man. So, but after this, <laughs> oh. One last thing I wanted to mention from this scene. The the Obama art Iron Man poster when he's like, oh, this is art. This is going up right now. 
That was beautiful. That was great. The, uh, the, yeah, that was, I just, I love that little bit there. He pulls that up and he's like, I'm putting this up right now. And he takes down like some kind of piece of priceless artwork and Pepper Potts is pissed. Yeah. And he's like, he's like, I'm not, I'm just putting this up here. Okay. That's a good design. Yeah. So, uh, we next see Ivan, uh, he obtains a passport and a ticket to some sort of auto grand prix. It's hard to tell from the way they shot it, you know? Yeah. And he's in Moscow. And what's a nice little side note about this, the man that gives him all these illegal documents, he's actually a member of the Ten Rings. Uh, yeah. That gives him all these these things. So we... Now, this is the part I had trouble, like, with this. How did Ivan know that Stark was going to be at this Grand Prix? Like, we as the viewers had nothing... Like, there, no one mentioned, like, oh, we're going to go to Monaco for this, you know, F1 race. What? Say that again. Monaco? Monaco? Monaco. 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 <laughs> I'm like... <laughs> Monaco. My bad, my bad. Look. <laughs> Monaco. My, Monaco. <laughs> <laughs> oh Lord. but yeah uh, we we, we had the, no we the viewers don't know anything about yeah. this right so how like how are we supposed to just accept that he knew right that that stark was gonna be there like i mean the only the only thing is like stark's got a car there so like maybe but they don't mention that at all well yeah i guess it so that's why mentioned. i'm this is what i'm saying it's kind of like sloppy storytelling right? yeah i mean like there, there could have been like a shot of tony like with the car or something to give, a, that, give some or, sort or of pepper, exposition or pepper could have said something along the lines of remember we got to go to that grand prix race next week yeah or something like that like just yeah. one line to like together exactly but anyway so we see him get the documents the means to get there right so then it cuts back and we see uh tony and happy boxing in a boxing ring and you know happy is getting all pissed because tony's uh kind of elbowing him and, yeah. and doing some, some less than, mma style some mma style stuff and this is when we're introduced to scarlett johansson's character playing a natalie natalie jesus christ natalie rushman excuse me i, thought I was the one with the speech impediment yeah today. i know right you're doing pretty well for having you know <laughs> going to the dentist but we see scarlett johansson's natalie rushman come in she insists that she is a, a notary for the passing over of power from stark to pepper Potts yeah. for the company and of course, you know, Tony Stark being the the ladies man that he is, starts looking her up, you know, and, and, and wants her as his secretary. And meanwhile, he says, you know, Happy, teach her how to how to box, you know. And so Happy is being like the most like chauvinistic, you know, person he can be. He's yeah. like, You done boxing before? And she's like, Yeah, and he's like, Oh, what, like uh Tybo, booty fit, something like that, you know, and you can see on Scarlett Johansson's face when she's acting this like the the sheer like, oh my god, you know. And so then he's like, okay, let's go ahead and get started. And Happy like pretends to throw a slow jab. And at that point, Stark says something and she looks over and Happy's like, first things first, never keep you, you know, never look away from your opponent. And she grabs his wrist, flips him over her shoulder and then does like an arm lock slash leg lock at the yeah, same like time. Yeah, like scissors her legs around his neck. And while having his elbow and, locked out over yeah. her arm. Oh, it's great. And so, of course, you know, Stark is like, whoa. And, you know, Pepper Potts is like, ah, you know, and Happy is like confused how this happened, right? <laughs> she says, thank you for your time, gets his thumbprint, you know, walks out. And Tony Stark just goes, I want one. And Pepper Potts is like, no, no, absolutely not. So then it cuts to uh, the Grand Prix in Monaco. Monaco. I wanted to make sure I said that. <laughs> okay. Right. So Monaco. So it cuts the Grand Prix in Monaco. And Tony, of course, is keeping things classy. He's showing up in nice cars and he's he's at this fancy lunch slash dinner before the big race, you know. And it's also sh pro shown to Pepper at this point that he hired 
uh, Natalie as his assistant. Yeah. Because she's like, what's she doing here? And then, of course, she's doing all the clerical. You've got your lunch at this time. And, you know, the, the race is going to begin at this time. He's like, oh, thank you so much. And Pepper Potts is just pissed. Yeah. She's so mad. She's like, I can't believe you would do this. Da, da, da. And he's like, I need I need an assistant, Pepper. I need an assistant. You know, I'm a man of like certain tastes. <laughs> another redhead. I need another redhead. So it's funny that you bring that up because one of the other trivia points I wanted to talk about was that Scarlett Johansson wanted this part so badly she dyed her hair red before she even auditioned oh. to prove how much she wanted this uh, dedication this, this role yeah to be romanoff so at this point we see you know tony kind of walking around and elon musk makes i know a cameo. it's great elon freaking well and like this is and this is before like elon musk is like the big deal he is like but he's talking about making an electric jet yeah. And he actually revisit he he literally in the real world revisits this idea in 2015-2016. Yeah. And it's just nuts because, you know, uh Robert Downey Jr. and John Favreau visited Elon Musk back in 08 or maybe 07 before they got the f- primary fil- uh filming for Iron Man done just so they could get an idea of what the future would be like, yeah. right? And then boom, Elon's in the sequel. Well, like and, I mean, it makes sense cuz oh, if there were an Iron Man in real life, It'd probably be Elon Musk, like, or like somebody who has a gargantuan amount of money, right. like Jeff Bezos, or right. well, not Bill Gates, because Bill Gates isn't let, that practical. Don't let Jeff Bezos be. It'll just be a big dollar sign in the middle. Man. I know, and it's God. like shooting the Amazon logo into the sky. <laughs> like, ah! Amazon drones, like dropping off our packages and then murdering people. Yeah. Anyway, so we see all these little nice cameos, and then who else should show up at this party before the big race but Justin Hammer? And so he's trying to, like, show off. He's like, oh, I've got this girl doing a report on me, and it's the woman from the first movie who did all the reporting on Stark, you know. And uh, he's like, oh, she's doing a big cover spread for me, you know, and like, oh, you're not the only one here with money, Stark, you know, and all that stuff. Eventually, Stark goes to the bathroom because he doesn't want to be left alone with Justin Hammer, you know. Yeah. He does his blood toxicity level uh, reading again. And at this point, it's 53%. Yeah, so like more uh, than half of his blood is toxic. And he's like, uh. And then he just looks at himself in the mirror and he's like, do you want to do something stupid? <laughs> and we cut to him in a stark racing outfit, an F1 racing outfit. And he's down in the garage area. And he just throws the racer out of the F1 you know, like car and he decides he's going to race. Yeah. He's going to race in a freaking F1 car. You know, for his own company instead of the the racer that I'm sure his company pays for. Yeah. And, of course, Pepper sees this and is like, no, we can't let this happen, you know. And what's really funny is Justin is trying to – Justin Hammer's trying to get his interview going on with that girl. And she sees that Stark is all of a sudden in the race now. And he's like, hey, maybe you could just read back to me what you wrote. And she's like, uh, yeah, yeah, sure, later. Yeah. And he's like, I've got caviar if you want to, like, stick around. And he's like, no, no. And, like, she just leaves. <laughs> and, like – you want to feel bad for Justin Hammer, but at the same time, like, the dude is just such a loser, like... And Stark is just so cool. He's so like, cool about He's it. just the, I do what I want, when I want, how I want, where Justin I want. Hammer, <laughs> Justin Hammer's that kid in high school that tried too hard to be your friend. Yeah, and, exactly. And, like, tried too hard to show off all the stuff. Like, he was that kid in elementary school that brought his Pokemon card collection and be like, look at all the stuff I've got, and you're like, okay, that's cool. Yeah, and then like when you didn't want to be his friend, like he all of a sudden wanted to be your rival, and exactly. you still didn't care. Exactly. God, I had so many of those. I had so many of those growing up. Anyway, so Stark gets in the F one uh, racer, and he starts the race. Obviously, we see at this point that 
Whiplash has somehow snuck onto the racetrack as an emergency responder. Yeah. And what's really funny about this is you don't see it at first. He looks normal other than the fact that he's kind of tattooed up, you know, but he's got his orange jumpsuit on the helmet. He looks like an emergency responder. But when he starts casually strolling out onto the racetrack, you see how bulky he is yeah, like he's, under the jumpsuit. He's kind of like, he looks more jacked he's than like, even a, he's a like jacked a, dude Exactly, would look. he's really lumpy. And you're sitting here and you're like, how did that get past anyone? How did no one go, hey, are you okay? You look like you have tumors coming out of every part of your body. <laughs> I'm fine, no. Yeah, it's, it's fine, it's no problem. So this I thought was really neat. So we get Whiplash walking out onto the racetrack and he starts powering up his, his like you could say, his exoskeleton. It's not really a suit quite yet. Yeah. And I thought this was a really neat way of shooting it. The top part of his jacket just burns off yeah. from the pure energy. And we see the big reveal of his exoskeleton and like full look. And he starts just slicing up F1 cars. And they're just like flying around. Explosions are going on. And it's re- it's really cool looking. It is really neat. And so that's why, this is my argument. That's why I think it's a neat mechanic of having like whipping exp- you know, extendable arc reactor power. That's yeah. why I think Whiplash is, an, is a... On paper, at least, an interesting villain. You know, you obviously have to give him a little bit more than I'm a begrudged scientist or whatever, which is both the comic and the movie version. But moving right along. He's causing a lot of grief and trouble here on the on the track, and then Pepper Potts sees this, and she's like, oh no. She puts one and one together. You know, Tony's on that racetrack, this guy's on that racetrack, and that's when Happy comes out of nowhere, and he's got this big red suitcase <laughs> attached to his wrist. And you, as a wrist. kid, were probably just like... So I've got the notes here. I've got the notes here. Hold on one second. Uh, what did I write out? <laughs> so I see the suitcase, and of course I flip the fuck out because I'm like, ah. But anyway, they eventually make their way down on the racetrack. Whiplash has cut Tony's car in half, essentially. Tony flips and miraculously is okay. He gets out. We have this small fight between Tony Stark and Whiplash, and it's obvious Tony Stark is like no match for this guy yeah. at the current rate that he's at. Tony sees gas leaking out of one of the wrecked cars, and he tries to get Whiplash to strike it and jump out of the way, hoping to damage him. And like nothing happens out of this. Tony doesn't get hurt, and neither does Whiplash. So I wonder why they put that particular part in this scene. I guess just to maybe make Stark look clever. I guess so, yeah. But anyway, <laughs> as it looks like Whiplash is about to kill Tony Stark. Happy drives in and just hits Whiplash with the car. Yeah. Just pins him up against the barrier, the race barrier. And I love this part from Gwyneth Paltrow, this acting. She just goes, are you out of your mind? (laughs) (laughs) And Tony yells at him too. Yeah. Oh my God. It was so funny. It was so funny. And so Whiplash is like, he's okay miraculously. Exoskeleton. (laughs) I guess it's because the exoskeleton kind of took the the brunt of the blow. And he's whipping the car and he's, he's, he's trying to kill Happy and Pepper. And so he's like, give me the football, which is code for actually like air, like the, uh, the launch codes, which the president has, yeah. they call it the football and says, give me the football. So they throw the red suitcase at him. And so this right here, Cody <laughs> was like the culmination of everything because as a day, de- as a kid in the Iron Man cartoon, uh, Iron Man stepped onto that suitcase and the suit came on him. And so when I saw this, all my childhood fantasies were realized in one moment. Like he puts the suitcase on, it starts coming over his legs. He puts the rest of it up at his chest level and the suit forms around him. And we get to see the Iron Man MK five suit. And I'm just like, yes. Like, this is great, and it looks so tight. It's it e- looks everything amazing. you ever wanted. It's everything I ever wanted, okay? It's a big middle finger to all those kids in kindergarten that didn't believe me. 
about a, a Iron Man suitcase suit. Oh, God. I might have issues. Okay, so moving right along. Uh, we see Tony Stark in this MK5 suit. Immediately, we can realize that this is not as strong of a suit as the others because Whiplash, like, just takes out one of his repulsors and, like, with no problem like that. And we also see that, like, he is able to just, like, scar up the suit. Yeah. They get into this fight. They, they're, they're, they're wrapping each other up, and, and they're trying to fight. Tony manages to, you know, after getting the shit shocked out of him by Whiplash, Whiplash wraps one of his whips around Tony's arm, shocks him, you know, he, it seems like Tony's immobile, but he manages to grab his way up the whip yeah, uh, towards Whiplash and knock him down, and at this point, he grabs the arc reactor out of Whiplash's chest, and you know, thus ending his power, yeah. right? Takes his toys away. Takes his toys away. So the cops come in. They they take away Whiplash and Whiplash is still laughing and he's just like you lose you lose and it's like this really weird ominous thing because like why the hell would he say that like it's obvious he lost right yeah we then see Whit Stark approaching Whiplash in jail he says give me five minutes and we see kind of actually how buff Whiplash is yeah because Mickey Rourke is like a big dude exactly and so what was really interesting about this another little trivia bit Mickey Rourke did a lot of weight training he did a lot of exercise and everything and he lost some weight and he gained a lot of muscle and he still couldn't move well in the uh, Whiplash costume his yeah. exoskeleton costume so he had to do what is normal for me but very different for some other folks he had to do weight vest and like arm training yeah uh, to get used to moving around with all that extra weight. And so if you don't know what weight vest training is, it's basically when you put on an a, a artificial extra like 20 pounds, 30 pounds, like a vest of just, it can be sand, metal fillings. It can even be metal bars. Yeah. And it looks, it looks like a SWAT vest. Exactly. It looks like a SWAT vest. So you put this on your chest. You can also put them on your arms and legs. And you get your body used to moving at a slower rate. And you're, you're basically tricking your mind into moving faster and quicker with all this extra weight and then once you take all this weight off your body is sending the signals to keep moving at the rate that you were with all that extra weight but you're actually moving at a much faster yeah. rate than uh, previously anticipated because you now don't have that weight right? it's the dragon ball z weighted clothing it is exactly the dragon ball z weighted clothing technique so Anyway, so he, he comes in, he claims, Ivan claims Stark comes from a family of butchers and thieves. You know, he's like, you're no better than me. Stark is confused. He's like, why did you do this? And Ivan's like, everyone gets to see God bleed now. And now, now that God is bled, the sharks will come out. At first, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But then eventually later, you realize now that this makes sense within the fact that they were, you know, Stark was insisting no one would have this tech in five to ten years. And then what do we do? All of a sudden we see this guy literally like a week later with the tech. with the arc reactor tech terrorizing people. Right. And so now Stark isn't as untouchable as he previously thought. Yeah. You know, the government now is like on his ass. They like they want his tech, you know, before he leaves talking to Whiplash, Whiplash, you know, says, uh, hey, Stark, he goes, Palladium's pretty rough on you, isn't it? <laughs> and you're like, damn, he knows, damn, he knows, right? So we cut to Stark and Pepper Potts in one of Stark's probably many private jets. And yeah. we see Senator Stern back on television, you know, basically doing the na 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 boo boo I told yeah. you so spiel on, on the news. Pepper is very concerned because she can tell something's going on that Stark isn't telling her. It's at this point that we start seeing, like, the regret that Stark has for not telling anyone what's going on with his body, right? This is really upsetting him because he's he's like, why don't we go here? Why don't we go here? This is a nice place to, to 
live healthy. This is a nice place to recover. Yeah. And it's amazing to me that they didn't write the fact that Pepper Potts maybe gets picks up on this because she's a really smart character. But I guess she was just so frazzled from almost dying. literally seeing a man whip cars in half that yeah. she didn't pick up on it. So moving right along from that, we cut to Ivan in prison. <laughs> and I just, uh, this scene gets me because it's just so like, it's not well planned out. No. Ivan's in prison and they give him a meal and he has a little note under his mug and it says, enjoy the potatoes. And he's given a C4 bomb in the disguised as potatoes. Yeah. And then he gets a roommate in the room that has the same prison ID on his jacket. And looks like and him. And kind of looks like him. And you're like, oh, come on. So the dude, and so Ivan knocks out this other prisoner, puts the C4 bomb potato on the wall, and makes his way out of the room. A guard is like, hey, what are you doing? He knocks out the guard. The bomb blows up. And you're thinking, like, what the hell is the point of this anyway? Because he gets a sack put on him and two French police guards uh, throw him in the back of a van anyway. So I get that they're trying to make it look like, oh, he died. But like, how the hell are you going to explain like, oh, he died in a random explosion in his cell? Yeah. Like, how are you going to get away? What logic is that? What logic is that? That like, I, and, and of course, this is a Hammer Industries idea because we get to see all of a sudden the sack is taken off of Ivan, right? And there's... Justin Hammer. Well, and that's probably why it's not planned out very exactly. well. Exactly. It is a it is ideally a Hammer Industries I uh, you know scheme. Justin Hammer sitting in his room like, how do I break? How do I prison? break this guy out? Oh, I make it look like he spontaneously combusted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll that go works. for that. Yeah, yeah. That's good. That's a good idea. But we see Justin Hammer in front of this jet. Uh, he's got this nice spread set out, and he's like, "Hey, man, take a seat." You know, and he's like, "I want you to, you know, work for me." And they make this partnership because obviously Ivan wants revenge on Stark. So does Justin Hammer, but Ivan doesn't have the money in the tech, right? Yeah. So Justin's like, "Let me, you know, finance you." This is like the stupidest thing ever. He's all like, "Oh, we got Sam," and he goes. I like to eat my dessert first. He's like, had it flown in from San Francisco, even though it's Italian or organic yogurt. And I'm just sitting here and I like this cringe, like, yeah, like you just want to punch him. I, and I, and so one part of me hates this cringy, like character development and writing, but the other half of me sees like this, like very interesting development. We see this guy that is just like trying so hard to be something he's not, being a smooth wolf on Wall Street type guy with a bunch of power, yeah. you know. But anyway, they eventually come to an agreement, and then we hear uh, Ivan saying, I want my bird. <laughs> and, you know, of course, Justin's like, yeah, we can get you a bird. And he goes, no, I want my bird. And he's like, a, a Russian bird or whatever? And then it just cuts off from yeah. there. And somehow this becomes a bit. It just becomes a little bit, whatever. So moving right along, we witness Stark researching Ivan and his father down in the basement, right? Uh, or rather in the workshop of his house in Malibu. Meanwhile, Pepper Potts and Natalie, quote unquote, are up there trying to do damage control from everything. Rhodes walks in and he's like, where is he? And he comes down there and he's like, yo, man, you know, the, the government's on our ass about this. I'm trying my best to stave off, but you got you to gotta work with me a little bit. And of course, Tony's like, no. And then also now at this point, Tony starts having a reaction from from the palladium in his chest. Yeah. So he asked Rhodes to help him out. And you get to see just how bad the palladium is poisoning himself because when he pulls out the big palladium chip 
from his arc reactor. It's like melted and nasty. And yeah. Rhodes is like, this is in your body. And he's like, just don't lecture me. Give me the, you know, the, the new one. So he puts a new palladium chip in there and puts it back in there. And we get to see the concern that Rhodes has. You know, Rhodes is pretty much the only one at this point that's in on it. Yeah, yeah who knows pretty, how bad it actually is. That knows how bad it's going, you know, it's going on. We then cut to Ivan working over at Hammer, Hammer Industries. I was about to say Hammer. Hammer Industries. Hammer Industries. Hammer Industries. Hey, Mr. Ivan, we're working here at Hammer Industries. But anyway, so he walks in. Justin Hammer's trying to show off how great their place is. Yeah. He's like, oh, we're going to we're gonna get you set up. Well, let me show you where we're going to work. And he just, Ivan immediately gets to work. And he's like, oh, uh, we'll, we'll get you set up with some passwords. Can we get him set up with some passwords? And he hacks him. And he says something in Russian. He's like, what does that mean? And he goes, your software is shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he hacks the, the software. Goes up to the uh, the suits and and Justin Hammer makes a funny little note here. He goes, "Yeah, we're having a hard time finding volunteers for this uh, for the suits because obviously everyone's yeah. seen a video of a dude's spine getting twisted in half." And so he starts breaking it apart. Hammer's all like, "Oh, yo, don't do that. It's so expensive. Ugh, like, what is this guy doing?" But eventually, Ivan says, "You know, what do you want?" And Hammer's like, I want these to take me to the Pentagon. I want to, you know, basically show up Tony Stark on his own front porch, you know, at, at Stark Expo. I want to show him that his tech is nothing. And Ivan's like, I can do that. And so we got we start to see this kind of bond formed between the two. At least at least a mutual hatred for Tony formed yeah. between the two. So then we cut back to uh, back at Tony's place, there's a party happening. It's Tony's birthday party, right? And he kind of asks Romanoff, or in this case, Rushman, right? What would you do if it was your last birthday party? And she goes, I would do whatever I want with whoever I wanted to do it with. You know, and like, she's being kind of seductive, but she's not She's not letting Tony in, right? Yeah. And Tony even says, like, it's, I can't get a read on you, right? So then we see Tony in his MK3 suit, I believe, and he is just drunk. He is drunk off his ass, and this is alluding to the comic story demon in a bottle, where Tony is having midlife crises, he's having a hard time containing his alcoholism, and he's just, he's being an ass, yeah. essentially. And Pepper Potts comes in and realizes what he's doing, being drunk, you know, in the Iron Man suit. Rhodes comes in, and he just vouched for Tony, saying, no, he can control himself, like, he can be responsible with the Iron Man suit. And here he is being drunk, blowing up shit with his repulsors. At a party. At a birthday party. Pepper tries to get him to stop, you know, and he's like, all right, the party's over. But the after party has started right now. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's so bad. It's so hard to watch him, like, devolve into this state, right? So Rhodes puts on the MK2 suit, the uh, the very silver-looking one, and he's all like, I'm going to tell everyone once, get out. And all the partygoers get out. And... <laughs> In, in usual Tony Stark fashion, he's like, DJ, play something I can beat my friend up to. <laughs> <laughs> and so we have another one, Bites the Dust. Uh, there's a second song I forget, and then we have Robot Rock playing yeah. in this like remix. And Tony Stark and Rhodes start duking it out in Tony Stark's house. And I like the the little bits that we get. Like they break into the boxing room, you know, and they're boxing each other in the boxing room. And like Tony is picking up these humongous barbells and plate yeah. weights and he's just, just slamming like, them like, into like him. they're nothing and they're slamming them into each other they're like uppercutting each other into floors above them and slamming each other down destroying the tony's entire just, house just, well i mean like again right yeah. I mean, he's got the money for it but this is where i thought this was this was like the pivotal point for me so remember earlier we talked about how a lot of people don't like this movie as much yeah. right 
It's not until this point that we get a long scene of Iron Man action. Doing Iron Man doing things. Doing Iron Man things. We got a little bit of it at the Grand Prix. Yeah. Um, but that lasted all of maybe four minutes. And it wasn't even that good because Iron Man got shut down so quickly, right? And so I think this is where Iron Man and Iron Man 2 start to really differ from each other. Because Iron Man had, don't get me wrong, it had plenty of scenes of character development, right? But it had just enough Iron Man action in the suit interspersed in between all. Yeah, every time we start getting kind of bored, like you get to see him do an Iron Man thing. Exactly. We see character development in the cave, and then we see MK1 suit, right? We see character development when he comes home, you know, back to the States. And then we see the MK2 suit getting flown around, right? We see character development at the fundraiser. And then he flies the MK3 suit and he saves that village, right? And so it's a nice pace between each one, right? Yeah. Whereas this one is like like a solid 30 minutes of just Tony Stark with a little bit of Rhodes and a little bit of Pepper Potts and Happy and all that stuff. And it's not until we get to the Grand Prix that we see like five minutes of Iron Man. Yeah. And then after that, it's another like 15 minutes of Tony Stark. And then we get to see here, maybe we'll be generous and call it 10, say 10 minutes of, of Iron Man and Rhodes. Proto war machine. Yeah. And so, yeah. And so that's another good line here. Rhodes is like telling them like you're not you're not worthy enough to wear that suit like you don't deserve to wear that suit and then you know of course Iron Man says and and I thought this was a little on the nose but I appreciated it nonetheless he's like you want to be the war machine then come on it's I thought it was a cool line yeah I I mean yeah it's on the nose we get it it's way cooler than it could create an abomination (laughs) (laughs) I forgot they said that in Hulk I mean if we're going to make like if you've got a like add in like let's say a character line and it be cool like at least you want to be the war machine is a better way of going about it it is yeah it is it's it's uh, again a little bit on the nose yeah but it is it is well I, i think it's well delivered it's it's not as bad as if Ivan had like grabbed Tony by the neck and been like, I'll give you some whiplash oh or something God. like that would have been like, I will give uh, you some whiplash. Like, uh, <laughs> like, I'm glad they didn't go that far. I'm glad. I yeah, I'm glad they didn't either, but moving right along. So, uh, Tony and Rhodes basically do a rock'em sock'em robots boxing match in front of all these people. Yeah. He, he knocks Rhodes down and we see at this point, all these people are look, like all the party goers that left. They didn't quite leave, but they exited the house. They're at the yeah. outside of the house and they're, some are filming him with their phones and stuff like that. And he sees the fear in their face and he realizes he's kind of become this monster. Right. And that again, alludes back to demon in a bottle because uh, Stark has a hard time controlling his anger and his issues because of his alcoholism. Right. Yeah. And so Tony's like, and just yells at him. And of course they all leave. And then Tony puts up his repulsor, like one of his repulsor hands. Rhodes puts his back up in response. And he's like, come on, don't do this. And he's just like, he's like, you're all, you're leaving me basically no choice. And they shoot their repulsor blast at each other, causing this huge explosion in the house. And I thought this, I wanted to ask your opinion on this because it, it leads to this very interesting thing. So after the explosion, we see this really well done set of his house, of his uh, Tony's house in Malibu being destroyed, right? Yeah. And there's these blue lights shining through and it gives off this wavy effect. And we see Iron Man's suit just deactivated in a crumpled heap in the corner there with this blue light shining on him. And I wanted to know, 
if you thought this maybe too, I want to know if maybe that was an illusion or maybe like a future reference to Iron Man three when he's stuck under the ocean where his suit. You remember? His yeah, suit's yeah, like it just died and he's just like he's like down there, right? Yeah, and the suit's like off, and like I thought, I thought maybe that would maybe was like a, a a future reference. I mean, you know, I I didn't connect those dots until you just did, but yeah. like, I mean, I could. I can see them using that type of imagery where when they were making Iron Man 3, somebody watched Iron Man 2 and they're just like, remember that scene when I did the thing? Well, we can do the thing too, but on the ocean. Right. Like, so that's that was something I noticed. I didn't know if maybe you picked that up as well. Uh, or not. I, I just thought it was cool cinematography. But anyway, so Rhodes apparently was okay after the blast and he kind of just looks at Tony. There are no words exchanged, but even with their Iron Man helmets on, you can tell, and this is really ingenious CGI. You can tell just from their body position, like from the way they're holding themselves. Like Stark looks at Rhodes, Rhodes looks at him and Rhodes just starts flying off and Stark doesn't stop him, right? Yeah. Like Stark just looks defeated. He knows he's in the wrong here. And, and again, nothing's being said. And it's really, in my opinion, it's really well done acting, even for two dudes in some CGI strips, you know. But I digress. So we see uh, Rhodes flying the MK suit to Edwards Air Force Base. Uh, Rhodes hands over the MK suit to the military, thinking he's doing the right thing. Yeah. He's basically saying, let's take this in and take a look at it. And we cut back to (laughs) Tony Stark in the wee hours of the morning, sitting in a giant concrete donut. Yep. With a box of donuts. He's got the helmet at his feet. He's got some shades on. Clearly very hungover. Just snacking on a box of donuts. And then we see the back of Nick Fury's head come into the scene. And he goes, sir, I wanted to ask you to exit the donut. (laughs) (laughs) Which, that's, I mean, that's some good. Yeah. That's some good shit. That's some good writing there. So they're inside the donut shop. And um, they're having this back and forth banter. And who else but Romanoff comes in, right? And she says, we've got the area closed off, but I don't suggest we stay here for too long. And that's when Tony connects the dots. The jig is up. The jig is up. And he's like, well, you're definitely fired. And she whips back, it's not up to you, right? <laughs> and he's just so mad that she's been a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent Yeah, that he's time, been played. That he's been played. And I love this. So Nick Fury is like, the little brother walks in, kicked your ass, and took your suit, and you're Iron Man? You know? <laughs> It's just, oh, God. He's just reprimanding the hell out of him. Like the, oh, he's like, oh, the great Tony Stark yeah. got his ass whooped. In, in like, and you, it's this moment where you're just so happy that Samuel L. Jackson is Nick Fury because if they had gone with, like, if they hadn't gone with, like, the Ultimate Universe Nick Fury and it just been, like, some boring... 616 Universe, yeah, yeah. normal universe, yeah. Yeah, it's just a really boring white guy, this Nick Fury. Sucked. It would have sucked. It would have sucked because he would have just been too serious. He would have been like, oh, you've really screwed up now, Stark. <laughs> yeah, you like... Know? But, like, having this condescending... Samuel L. Jackson, Nick Fury is just the best because yeah. like, you know, Nick Fury means business when he wants to, but even when he is, he's able to integrate sass and, and sarcasm yeah. into this. And I just, I love this. I love this. So eventually Nick Fury talks to Stark and he says, you know, this is what happened between your, your father and Ivan's father. Essentially, you know, Ivan developed this technology and he was going to go sell it off to the Russians. Your father stopped him, et cetera, et cetera. And he gives him a box of his father's, you know, belongings essentially. And that includes the model of the original Stark Expo, right? Yeah. Which is really like, it's such a neat thing to look at because it really it, is like, it's, 
it looks so I hate to say retro, but retro is the word well, for I it. I mean, like when I but the, the the couple times I've been to Disney World, they had the original models for Epcot, yeah, like laid out, and it was really interesting to see. Even though modern Epcot wasn't anything like that model, uh, it was interesting to see what the plans were. And so I think Disney at this point definitely put some put some Epcot twinge like little 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 bits of Epcotness into that that design. But anyway, so Tony is like looking sifting through all of his dad's stuff and he puts on this like reel of his dad doing the the Stark Expo intro video, right? Yeah. And we see little Tony Stark in the back playing with stuff and he's like, "What are you doing? Get out of here." You yeah, know? like he, like it just you see like the you you basically see in real time the daddy issues forming exactly exactly and so you feel like oh god you know howard stark was such an ass to tony you know growing up and then at one point howard stark is like so done doing the filming he's like and i'd like to present to you my ass and he just like <laughs> turns over and starts like unbuttoning his pants you know <laughs> yeah. And of course, you know, Tony's just like over at this point. But I I wanted to talk about this one really powerful moment, the way they shot this. So Tony's like sifting through his dad's notes and he's trying to figure out a way to like replace the palladium with something that won't poison him, you know. Yeah. And also to make sure that this tech can't be used irresponsibly. The way they shoot this, he's taking a sip of alcohol, uh, probably whiskey or whatever, out of his glass. And in the background, that movie's still playing. The the film is still going on. And you just hear Howard Stark go, Tony. And he like stops taking that drink. He looks over and his dad's, it's almost like his dad is talking to him right then and yeah. there, right? And that was such a powerful little shot. And the way that they, they lined it up is just amazing. So he, uh, eventually Howard is just like, I've got something that is going to change the world and you'll figure it out eventually. You'll f- you'll find it. And he goes, but the tech isn't here yet. And I know by the time you figure this, you find this, you'll be able to figure it out, you know? And so that's when Tony Stark starts kind of putting the the pieces together, right? He looks at the plaque on the little model uh, Stark Expo thing, right? Yeah. And it says the answer's here. And so then comically, he takes like this giant model, stuffs three sections of it in the back of his little convertible and drives it over, I think, back to his lab, right? Yeah. In the basement. And then he makes like a, like, doesn't he make like a 3D he rendering does. of it? So he has Jarvis scan the, the entire model, like, scape. He starts like picking apart pieces off of it you know and he's starting to see a pattern in the way the actual model city itself is being made and eventually he comes to the conclusion that howard stark hid the design for a new element inside that model yeah he uh, uh jarvis tells him he's like this could you know replace the uh, palladium you know and this could work he goes unfortunately there's no way to make this tony stark however is not stopped by this yeah and so we get to see this montage of tony just adding to the destruction of his house. He's just wrecking holes in the walls and in the floors. He's running these huge power converters into you know his shop and everything. And he's making, like, we don't know exactly what he's making yet, right? And Phil Coulson comes in for a little bit, and Coulson says, you know, I, I want to tell you bye. And he says, I'm being reassigned to New Mexico. And he's like, okay, yeah, sure, whatever. And he picks up that cap shield. He's yeah. like, what is this? And he goes, uh, actually, I need that. And he uses it just as like a like a little way to make the, whatever he's creating level. Yeah. It is like sticks it under the tubing. Right. And he's like, okay, that's level. Colson says, you know, we need you. And he goes, Oh, I know. And <laughs> Colson's like, well, not that much, but goes on his way. Iron Man eventually makes this new element. He, he sticks a big crystal in this like big pipeline energy converter. He tears it across. Like his he house. man modes this, it across this, this, his this house. Laser beam goes through this crystal. Right. And it tears across his house, burning everything. And eventually lines up with this new arc reactor he's got, and it adheres to the arc reactor. 
And then Jarvis tells him that it's 100% like it here and it's all great. And it's at this point that Tony realizes that Whiplash is still alive, right? Yeah. And on top of that, we cut back to Stark Expo. Justin Hammer is there. And he's all like, I've got these, you know, <laughs> all these all droids. These drones. And he's like, and they don't require a single man to be inside of them. Not and they salute. Anyone. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he's like, I've got Army, Navy, Air Force. He's got Marines, too, right? I think he says Marines. He doesn't have a Space Force. Yeah, right. He, do- oh, he doesn't have a Space Force. Jesus Christ. <laughs> but he's got, all these, he's got all these drones. They salute, you know. And, of course, and he's like, and I've got the new war machine, you know, coming on out. Rhodes is there in a, a retro, like a very, very, like, Americanized, yeah. like, military-graded mk2 suit it's gray it's got red leds for the lights and everything at this point whiplash takes control of all the drones and of Rhodes suit himself yeah right? whilst he's inside while of he's it. inside of it and so it's revealed you know ivan obviously betrays justin hammer because he doesn't have any fucking you know uh, uh allegiance to this guy he just wanted tech and his boyd exactly he wanted his boyd yeah we get to this part where uh, Rhodes is unable to control himself, and while this is going on, Happy and Romanoff break into Hammer Industries trying to stop Whiplash, right? Yeah. And we get to see Black Widow in action. Just amazing. Yeah, like full costume. Like, yeah. the long red hair, which I miss. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. So we, and what was really interesting was Scarlett Johansson did do a lot of training just for that one scene. Yeah. And she was actually very afraid of how that bodysuit was going to like work. She, yeah. Like she took one look at that costume. She's like, how am I going to move in that? Exactly. Yeah. Like, that looks like that's skin tight. That looks oh, like exactly. it was designed by a man in the late seventies. So eventually Romanoff and, and happy help Rhodes regain control of the war machine suit. And they decide, you know, they got to stop all these drones. There's a lot of really great scenes going on here. The drones eventually target a little boy in an Iron Man mask, which like they, turns out they've retconned yeah. into being Spider-Man. It rec- yeah. They've retconned into that being Peter Parker, right? As a kid, and which doesn't make any sense. Cause if Peter Parker's poor, how's he at Stark Expo? But, Oh, I mean, he was visiting Stark Expo. It's, it, they didn't say it was like a theme park. It was just, yeah, it was I, just a, a an expo, right? I gotcha. So, so we eventually cut to Stark and Rhodes coming into this like Japanese garden in the middle of uh, the Stark Expo, mm-hmm. d- you know, area. This scene took seventy one days to film. They had to do it in a closed area, yeah, um, because there was no place for them to do it properly. They're in this like little Japanese garden, and all these manned uh, drones from Whiplash they start coming in one by one, and they're circling around War Machine and Iron Man. And you get this like small moment of silence and serenity. There's like these like cherry blossom petals like falling yeah. down, and it lo- it's and just it's really well shot yet it again. It's amazingly shot, and on top of that, it takes such inspiration from actual samurai films and stuff, where there's all that tension before. Yeah shit starts going down and then all of a sudden their the masks just close the helmets just close and they just go to town they start blowing up all these drones you know one way or another shooting them and all that and iron man does this thing he says Rhodes duck and he ducks and he does this huge like spinning 360 laser move that cuts trees and all the yeah, robots like, and it's yeah. fantastic oh, it's, it's really amazing. cool looking it's amazing choreography that we've got and in you know scene. like through and, the through the whole fight you get like the like the really cool like i like the sound design of like the sound of the repulsors and then like 
Rhodes has no, he doesn't have repulsion. He has guns. Yeah. And like, it's so. And, and despite the fact that this is all mostly CGI minus the little bits where, you know, you had, uh, Robert Downey Jr. and, and Cheadle in the, in the suits yeah. with the lines on them. Despite that, this reminded me of the first Iron Man movie where we had amazing choreographed CGI fights that you worked well. Yeah. Right. Um, don't look fake exactly and that's my biggest problem with a lot of movies nowadays that rely too heavily on cgi is that you know it's sometimes confusing it's hard to follow right you know a lot of it does look fake right like the transformers movies are terrible about this we see this moment where he just cuts all this stuff in half you know and and war machines like you should have followed you started up should have led with that should have led with that right and then of course tony's like sorry that i can only do that once right and then we get to see whiplash like in full suit just come on in right and he's basically in his own version of the 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 iron man suit yeah it's got which a, powered by an arc reactor it's got its own version of the whiplashes in his arms you know it's neat but it's kind of lame because it's why is it kind of lame because it's just the same thing as iron uh as iron monger like well, it's let's see that's the point is like this all circles around the arc reactors right yeah so what makes arc reactor like what 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 kind of weapon can the arc reactor power a giant a giant giant iron man suit suit. yeah Yeah. so i mean this is better than iron monger because it it moves around quicker it's got the the electro whips in it and everything and and the fight's pretty short too and that's and that's what i was going to get to the fight between these two and whiplash it it is incredibly short it doesn't feel like there was enough build-up for that it's it's almost an anti-climax it almost is but right, so there's there's no buildup for this. It's it's such a small. Well, let me rephrase that. There there is a lot of buildup to this. Obviously, like Stark was trying to figure out who this guy was. This whole movie, there was a lot of like tension and and feelings. But I feel like Hammer and Whiplash had more conflict in this movie, at least screen time wise, more than Iron Man and Whiplash themselves. Yeah, right? like because it's just one big battle between Hammer and. Uh whiplash to kind of get See, who them who can get iron man first yeah exactly and like and it's over cl- a bird. it's clear and it's clear <laughs> that like ivan is just so far ahead of hammer the entire time like all he needed was the tech so ivan this whole time has been obviously very ahead of hammer and it's shown to an ironic point at the at the i guess the midpoint of this battle because you know war machines all like oh i got this <laughs> and so this little missile pops out what's it called the bunker buster yeah it's that cool ass missile he blows up the tank with in the first movie that's right that's right so he's like he's like this is the bunker buster you know or whatever fires it at whiplash and it just pops off his chest and fizzles in the water like in the creek below him and hammer tech yeah and stark is like uh let me guess hammer tech and he's like yup (laughs) you know so it's obvious that ivan always had the upper hand on this so hammer i feel like this movie could have done just fine even without justin hammer but yeah. the only reason, the only thing I can think of to like why keep him in this movie is because like he literally provides financial means for Whiplash to yeah like the, have the suit. The only other way they could have done it would have been like for them to have con like for like the U.S. government to have been like to like contract Ivan. Yeah, like yeah. that would have been their way or. Like, since we know that most of, like, S.H.I.E.L.D. ends up being Hydra, if they had introduced Hydra in this movie and yeah. that had become, like... So, it's, it's funny you say that, too, because Senator Stern in this movie, uh, it's that that's one of the theories. Is like, that's one of the reasons he wanted the Iron Man suit. Yeah, so for because the Hydra. He's, because he's a yeah. Hydra sleeper agent in uh, Winter Soldier, I believe. Yeah. So, we move on to this conflict. Uh, they have They have some good, like... 
the choreography in this part of the scene isn't as good as the first part with the drones. Uh, it is a little bit like hard to follow at some points, but we eventually get to a part where, you know, Whiplash has them both like just beaten to hell. You know, they're both kind of stuck and like he's, and he's, he's just shocking the shit yeah, out of them. Yeah, he's wrapped his whips around both And of them. so then Iron Man is all like, you want to be a sidekick? And Rhodes is like, what are you talking about? And he's like, put your hand up, put your hand up. <laughs> and then they do a big repulsor blast, you know, just blow the shit out of the, the dome that they're yeah, in. Yeah, which you know? they do the exact same thing they did to blow up Tony's house. Exactly, like, exactly. Which was clever foreshadowing because like as soon as they do it, you're like, oh, this is what they're going to do. That's yeah. cool. So, I mean, yeah, and I will give them that. That is clever. But we get to clearing the dust after this big explosion, after this very short fight. We see Whiplash on the ground, you know, and he's obviously defeated, you know, but War Machine and Iron Man seem to be okay. And then again, he's just like, you loose. And the arc reactor starts blinking red, you know. And then all the other drones all start, the drones blinking, start red. blinking red. And so that's when they realize, oh, these are, things are going to self-destruct. And then Iron Man realizes that one of them is near Pepper Potts. He flies away quick enough to not get blown up by the ones there at the Stark Expo. And then he manages to swing in and save Pepper, you know, before she gets blown up. Yeah, and then they fly off to like a random secluded roof. Exactly. And then she, they finally kiss. Yeah. They finally have some kind of like understandable romantic interaction as opposed to the first movie right and then Rhodes takes the piss out of the entire thing by also being on the same random secluded roof yeah I know god and then uh, I believe also Pepper Potts resigns at yeah, that point yeah, yeah she, she resigns, resigns from being the CEO position so then we cut to Nick Fury briefing Tony yeah, uh, in a in a random warehouse with guards outside, they got all these screens going on. And what I, one interesting thing I know uh, that you noticed that I didn't was that they had that map going on in the background, all these circles going on. There. Yeah, and so like when we were when Africa. we were looking at it, I just stopped because I was like, all right, well, that's Wakanda, and they've got New York up there. Yeah. And I was like, what's that dot over there in the middle of the country? You're like, that's New Mexico. And I'm like, oh yeah, that Thor that, movie that happens. Find, yeah, that's where they find <laughs> Thor's hammer right down in New Mexico. But anyway, so. Tony reads his file. He's, you know, he's like, oh, uh, you know, we're definitely hiring Iron Man, sure, for the S.H.I.E.L.D. initiative. And then Nick Fury's like, keep reading. And he's like, (laughs) he's like, volatile, narcissistic, materialistic. And then he's like, so wait. And then it's like, Tony Stark is not recommended for the S.H.I.E.L.D. initiative. He's like, how can you recommend Iron Man, but not me? You know? (laughs) So they eventually come to an agreement. They're going to have Iron Man kind of be of a consultant of sorts uh, for S.H.I.E.L.D., which doesn't really phase out the way they planned it because you get to avengers and he's not a consultant really he's just he's just part a member of the avengers. yeah like that that whole bit seems like they had something else planned and then they just had to scrap it exactly that's what i was thinking so tony makes the the deal he says you know normally you wouldn't be able to afford my retainer fee he's like but Rhodes and i have this medal ceremony coming up and we need someone to to officiate it to lead it and you know nick fury's like i'll see what i can do and then we see a very obviously upset Senator Stern. Yeah. And he's like, and it's with great pride that I give the medal to, you know, Colonel Rhodes and Tony Stark. And you deserve it. You deserve it. And so he's pinning it onto Rhodes. And he's he sounds actually kind of sincere with yeah, Rhodes. Yeah, it's almost genuine. It's almost genuine with Rhodes. He's like, he pins that medal on him and he's like, you deserve this. And then he's like... <clears throat> Mr. Stark, thank you for your service. You definitely deserve this. And he, he hits him, and then he stabs him. Pit, he stabs him with the metal pin, and he's like, "Ow!" And he's like, "Oh, sorry. How it's it's amazing how annoying a little prick can be, <laughs> you know." And he's like, "Let's get this photo." And they get that photo, and then, of course they got ACDC playing. And yeah, like, on because, the highway to hell. You know, <laughs> obligatory, obligatory ACDC music, and that's pretty much the end of the movie. And the only other thing we've got here is the end credit scene where Phil Coulson finds. Thor's hammer out in New Mexico. Just chilling. Just chilling there. 
uh, alluding to Thor being the next movie, you know, yeah. which I thought this was a very, I thought this was well done compared to, I, it was much better than Hulk's after credit scene because Hulk's was just like, oh, we're putting some people together. You, you got some, some fancy suits. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I always think that Thor comes before this movie. Like, do you? I all like in my brain for some odd reason the order of these movies is Hulk, Iron Man, Thor, Iron Man two. For so that might have been the like that may have been the uh, like the orientation that I saw these movies, and that's why like I think that that's the way that they go in chronological order. But yeah, like I don't know, it's just weird in my brain. But I, I get that. But yeah, that was Iron Man two. Cody, what are you, what are your final thoughts about this? Like revisiting this movie? I mean, it's not as bad as I think everybody says it is, but like, because this is always one of the ones that's always like the low tiers on the list. People are just like Iron Man Two is not that good. Yeah. Like, and I I agree. Like Iron Man Two is not as good as Iron Man One. What when you're watching it, like the way that these movies came out, the dip that Hulk gives you. Like makes this movie better. God, that's so much. Like that, that is that is painfully true. Like when you compare Hulk to Iron Man two, like Iron Man two is a vastly superior yeah, film. Even the boring bits are more interesting. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. The jokes land better. The characters have more development. We have more ties in with the actual comic universe. Yeah. You know. I mean, if anything, this is a character study on Tony Stark. Like this movie is just there to show you what like what Tony Stark really is as a person when like things get rough for Tony Stark. Like he just becomes like yeah. he just settles into the narcissism and the assholishness and like he <laughs> like is that that's those are his defense mechanisms. Yeah. Like his like his way of coping with things not going his way is just to be more Tony Stark than he's <laughs> ever been ever. That's very true. I I remember, I like, I didn't remember this movie as much. I didn't remember it being this slow, I think. Yeah, I think um, that's the, and that's the movie's detriment, is because it's, like, just got long periods where you're just like, absolutely. oh, I don't care. And so I think, I think that was the biggest problem, is, like, the pacing in the first Iron Man movie was, like, perfect, because we had character development, Iron Man action, character development, Iron Man action, character yeah. development, and then there was good humor interdispersed like in all those scenes whereas this it was like really subtle humor for some of those scenes and then other was like others were like really blatant obvious you know like ha ha this is the part we're supposed to laugh at right yeah combined with the fact that we had long tony stark chunks and then short iron man chunks and then it was just a big iron man chunk at the end with war machine right yeah. and i, I will mean, say this i will say this I think this movie is shot beautifully. Yeah, there's a lot of really really strong, good cinematography. There's in the a movie. lot of really good strong like scene building and a lot of good just angles with things. Like I will never get over that scene where Howard Stark says, "You know, Tony," like he's trying to talk to him from behind yeah. him. That was so good. And then the the other one with the with the petals floating in the in the garden right before all shit all hell breaks loose there. And mm-hmm. even Whip Whiplash's introductory scene with the whips, like the cars, the cars flying, flying everywhere. in slow motion. Yeah, the explosions going on behind him, making more menacing, that kind of thing. It all works really, really well. It's just the things in between that, I guess, yeah. aren't, like, so, aren't, aren't as strong. I movie could have maybe used a second edit maybe. that might have helped maybe. it. Maybe. I mean... I'm not saying that there shouldn't have been any character development scenes in this. Like, I liked the boxing scene with Happy and introducing Romanoff and everything. Yeah. I liked, 
I even, even though I find Justin Hammer's character kind of useless in the grand scheme of things, I did like his scenes in like the, the bar before the big Grand Prix, you know, trying to show off how big and powerful he is and that kind of thing. I just, I feel like they diverted their attention in two radically different ways with Ivan and Justin Hammer. Right? Yeah, maybe well, if Hammer had been less bumbling, it wouldn't have seemed as bad. But like, see, if you did that, though, if you took that away... Then he could have just been the villain and exactly, Ivan becomes irrelevant. Exactly. And, and Justin Hammer in the comics is just a completely boring character. He, yeah. just, he just hires people. Uh, and that's what happens in the comics. He hires Whiplash to, to fight Iron Man. He's just a completely boring, angry old white dude with a lot of money. Yeah. So... I just, uh, I don't know. I don't know how to feel about this. If one of these days, probably after I watch Ant-Man and the Wasp, I'll redo my list. And I would say Iron Man is still going to be pretty at the bottom. Or, yeah. Excuse me, Iron Man 2 is going to be pretty Yeah, at the I mean, bottom. it's definitely, like, this one's definitely still, but like, in the bottom But I don't think this half. is a bad movie at all. Yeah. I, it's definitely nowhere near as boring as Hulk. I, yeah, for sure. And, and that's, I don't know if maybe that's because we saw Hulk first and then went back to Iron Man 2 or what. I don't know. But... I will say, you know, it's just, it's a good, entertaining superhero film with some good action bits. It's just not, it's not a deep cut like the first Iron Man was. Yeah. So, so like, it, as we rank these movies, yeah, <laughs> when we go down this list. Yeah. So right now it's Iron Man, Iron Man 2. And Hulk. <laughs> and I, I feel like we're going to be just putting things above these two each year. Probably. But like, probably. Each year, each day that we do this. Like, my brain is like... We'll do these once a year. And- yeah, right. But yeah, that's going to be it then, I guess, for this episode. So thank you all so much for joining us for another episode of Panel Pictures. If you guys have any topics you want to suggest to us or any comments that you like, please do email us at panelpicturespodcast at gmail.com. Cody and I definitely appreciate it. We enjoy just sitting here shooting the breeze about our favorite superhero movies with you. So, Cody, I think next time we uh, we got to tackle a DC movie. we got to... We gotta please them DC fans. Yeah, we're saying I'm not a DC fan, but we, we said we were gonna do a palate cleanser in between these two movies, but like well, life just, got in the way. A, I couldn't get a hold of a copy of uh, uh, is it 89? Yeah, 89. Batman. Yeah, I couldn't get a hold of uh, 89 Batman, so I gotta do some more digging. Uh, yeah, to we'll, get a copy. we'll come either either we'll find you a copy or we'll come to a consensus of a movie that we can both watch. Exactly. So we'll we'll get a DC movie rolling for the next one here, and I think it'll be it will be a nice change of pace from focusing on like MCU lore to just watching a Batman movie. Yeah. So, uh, we'll do that next time probably. And until next time, guys stay super. Bye-bye. Cody say bye. Bye. There you go. Attaboy. <laughs>